Aren't you glad you came today? God is good. Can we just celebrate him? Hallelujah. Join me as we pray today. Father, today our prayer is that the name of Jesus would ring loudly in every place of worship. God, that as worshipers gather, they would worship you in spirit and in truth. And God, that the words that come from their mouth would truly start from their hearts. Lord, I pray that the name of Jesus would be lifted high. Lord, as pastors and teachers and other leaders today speak, may they speak about Jesus in the name that is above every other name. Lord, may everything, every prayer offered up, God, every welcome issued, God, everything we say and do, point people to you. Come on, Jesus is the reason we exist. Jesus is the reason we are here, correct? This is the Lord's day. This is not ours, it's his. This is his house, his church. We are his people. Everything about today and us and every moment, it is all about Jesus. So Lord, I pray that today, that above anything else said or done, above any other imagery, any other movement, any other presentation, Above all, may it be Jesus. <laughs> There's power in that name. Is there not church? Demons flee when you mention the name Jesus. You mention the name Jesus, darkness has to fade away because he is light. And the light conquers darkness. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. More than a pep talk, more than a cute analogy. What we need is Jesus. Come on, somebody. Jesus saves. Words don't save. Jesus saves. Cute videos don't save. Jesus saves. Encouragement from other people, that doesn't save us. Jesus saves us. So we're going to keep it about Jesus the Savior of the world. Hope that has come through a baby's birth in a manger. Joy, whoo, it just doesn't make sense how you can have joy amidst difficulties. That's just what Jesus does. Hallelujah. It is the name above every name. It is the name that every knee one day will bow down to. And for eternity, the saints gathered around the throne will gaze upon him and sing of him and his goodness and his love and his mercy, his forgiveness of sins, <clears throat> the life that he gives us. Come on, are there any saints in this house gathered thankful for Jesus? 
Whoo! Thank you, Jesus. It is in his name we pray. Everybody said. Come on, somebody. Let's give him high. Whoo! Praise the Lord. It is so good to be back with you. How was your Thanksgiving? Everybody good? Yeah? Put on a little bit of weight, right? Yeah, it's a hard time finding what to wear today. For, for me, I'm just going to be honest with you, right? So I went for the stretchy and uh, just to kind of help compensate for some of that. So I'm thankful for a couple of Sundays off, thankful for incredible pastors and Pastor Josh Zello and Pastor Todd Weir who knocked it out of the park. If you weren't here in person, if you've not had a chance to watch it, I want to encourage you to, to go online and rewind the tape and listen. You're going to learn some incredible things as we wrapped up that series about being in awe of who God is. When I think about the Lord, I, I learned a lot of things through watching, and, and, and my family participated. We, we were on the road driving at 70 miles an hour, 75, excuse me, that was the speed limit, and um, uh, we were driving and, and doing our best to watch and listen. I was just listening. I'm watching 10 and 2 and keeping my eyes on the road because that's what you do, and, and so, but, but it was all, I learned things like monkery. That's good. Monkhood, monkdom, all of that stuff. It was awesome. Pastor Josh, thank you for that, amongst other things. And Pastor Todd taught us a new word, goodly. I love that. It was awesome. Uh, listen, as you see those men, they're back right now leading kids uh, closer to Jesus. They're speaking uh, Jesus into your children right now. Aren't you thankful for that? We, 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 we believe something really crazy here at 1910 Church. We believe that, that, that children are not too young to begin to to understand and get a grasp of, of who Jesus is and the difference he can make in their life. Amen. While that cement is still wet on their hearts, we're trying to get his thumbprints on them. We're trying to get his spirit in them. Amen. That's why we have incredible middle school and high school ministries as well. We want kids to come to know who Jesus is. And so I'm thankful for, for youth pastors and kids teams and pastors that are right now speaking that over over your kids right now. And, and we want some of you older folks to, to experience that same Jesus today as well. I don't have goldfish or gummy worms to pass out. And so if you need a snack, just go back there. And if you can get through security, good luck. But, uh, but, but, but we want to speak about Jesus. Amen. Hey, do something for me if you can. Pull out your wallet and, and we're going to take up your credit cards today. Our ushers are going to walk down. Just kidding. Now, I want you to pull out if you can. There's a receipt um, my wife probably needs. I want you to put, you have an idea of some sort. Come on, let's go. Don't look at me like, what are you, if you have an, do you have an ID? Pull out your ID if you, thanks, Byron. Thanks for participating with your preacher today. Pull out your ID. You've got one of those. Maybe your students have a student ID. Any student IDs in the house? No? Okay, good. Uh, thank you. Uh, but, pull, you know, that ID is important, is it not? How many of you like your picture, first of all? My head barely fits on that school. They need to make these bigger. We use these IDs. ID tells us a lot about who we are, does it not? It gives some, some defining characteristics about us. We, we see when we're born. Uh, we can see where our address, you know, where we live. If you, I had to present this yesterday, picking up a prescription. And so they need to see my ID and had to verify my address. I love that it shares with us and the person looking at this, what the color of our eyes are and our height. I don't like the weight thing. Is that on there? It's not on good. Thank you. 
I do like, I have a heart on mine. I'm an organ donor. Come on, somebody, anybody. <clears throat> I mean, not that I know what they would be able to take out of me, but, but whatever there's good left, use it, right? Amen. For someone else's benefit. Amen. But an ID is important. You have to present this from time to time, do you not? Uh, to maybe get through security. Uh, sometimes you have to present it again to pick up a prescription. Um, sometimes just to verify that purchase at Target or wherever you purchase things, you sometimes have to present an ID. Webster defines, no, Webster defines identification and identity as, as those, those defining characteristics of who you are. Um, now, I know that this physical ID, he also says it, it's, it, it re- relates to your personality. Our, our, that doesn't necessarily relate or translate from a, a physical ID like this. But an identity is a big deal, is it not? We, we have so many people. In fact, some of you will give a gift maybe this, this Christmas season of, of like a, a, some sort of ancestry type of search, you know, uh, product that people can participate in that helps them understand maybe their background or their origin, where they, they come from, something about their, their, their people groups that, that they, they are, are, are from. But, but everybody seems to want to have some sort of a of an identity, right? It's what we're known for. It's, it's those, those defining characteristics, qualities, traits that make us up. You ever thought about what you're known for and what you're known by? Um, some of us would like to push the delete button on some of those, those thoughts and answers that come to our mind right now, would we not? But, but, but there is something that you're known for. There is something that you're known by. Maybe your name. Some of you understand and know what your name means, and there's some significance there. Maybe some of you are known by, by your family. A lot of us parents uh, these days, uh, we're, we're known by our kids and their accomplishments, right? And, and, and their successes on an athletic field or on a stage or in the classroom, all of those things. Maybe you're known today by, by your occupation, you know, that's probably one of the most asked questions whenever you, you come into a group of other people. Well, hey, what do you do? Well, I'm a, and oftentimes we identify ourselves based on what we do professionally, right? Um, some of us are, are identified by, by other things. But, but this thing of identity is, is, is a big deal. As we kick off this Christmas season here at 1910 Church, we, we, we want to expose you and, and we want to give you a better understanding about a person by the name of Jesus, Listen, you, you, you can't escape him this time of the year, can you? I mean, seriously, you, you, you can't miss Jesus this time of, of the year. His name it shows up in a lot of different places. I mean, you, you, you see his name. You don't see Amanda in lights, but you see the name of Jesus, right? And things of that such. You see other names. And, but, but listen, his, his, he has talked about more over the next several weeks than, than probably any other person that's ever lived. Would you agree with that? I mean, think about it. Who, who, who else in history has the amount of emphasis placed on his birth and his arrival? His name will be in lights. You'll send Christmas cards and cards with his name on it. You'll, 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 you'll talk about it. He, he has, he, he's never, there's never been another human being that's been more written about. There's never been another human that has had more followers than this man by the name of Jesus. Christmas is all about Jesus. Did you hear that? Let me rewind the tape. Christmas is all 
about Jesus. It is. And so we thought that it'd be very fitting for us to talk about him. Are you guys okay with that? So you need to know over the next few weeks, and even at Christmas in the city, on the town square, Christmas Eve at six o'clock, guess what? Guess who we're going to sing about? Guess who we're going to talk about? We're going to talk about Jesus. We're not going to talk about Santa. We might mention his name. We're not going to talk about, you know, nutcrackers. We're going to talk and keep it about Jesus because, well, he's really what we need, is he not? In a world of chaos and in a world of confusion, we need to keep it about Jesus. Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world. And so this Christmas season, we're going to talk about that. You know, his arrival, his birth was, is unparalleled, is it not? I mean, think about this. The, 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 the Old Testament prophet Isaiah spoke 700 years about his birth before he ever made his entrance into that manger in Bethlehem. 700 years. Years. In this day and time, most birth announcements are, are about maybe seven months in advance, right, Chase? I don't know when y'all did the big reveal and we pull cannons of pink or blue or we shoot and pop balloons with guns that just explode a color. Listen, 700 years before he's born, there's a prophet by the name of Isaiah that speaks about his identity, that talks about what Jesus would be like and, and, and begins to unveil and unfold for people what he would be capable of. And this was needed. It's a dark time when Isaiah's prophesying and speaking of this light that would come to pierce the darkness. Israel's being invaded, invaded by the north from the Assyrians, their enemies. Darkness has overtaken the land and they are desperate and longing for someone to be their deliverer. 700 years prior to his birth, Isaiah speaks of this one that would come. He says this in Isaiah chapter nine, verse six. He says, and you shall call him wonderful counselor. Do we have that screen? He's wonderful counselor. He's the mighty God. He's the everlasting father. He's the prince of peace. Isaiah speaks that a child that would be born to us he would be the deliverer, you might say. 700 years, folks, before he comes. Fast forward 700 years and an angel of the Lord appears to a man by the name of Joseph and uses words that Isaiah quoted back in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, the very same words, 700 years, confirming that Isaiah was on track and he tells this man, Joseph, look, the virgin will conceive a child in Matthew chapter one. She will give birth to a son and you will call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Wow. Names. They're big deals. This name Jesus means savior. It literally means savior. Yeshua we get an English word, English name, Joshua. Anybody named Joshua? Round of applause, anybody? Okay. Maybe not as popular as it was years ago, but this name is significant. 
Because the name Jesus means savior. You throw Christ and you call him Jesus Christ, that Christ, that, 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 that title means the anointed one. It means the Messiah. So listen, when you gather around and as you begin to move through these next few weeks of Christmas, listen, we're talking about a birth unparalleled, a birth like none other, a name that is above every other name. We're talking about the savior of the world, the anointed one, the Messiah has come. Aren't you thankful that Jesus was born, huh? It's who he is. His name means something. You may know what your name means, and there's probably significance there behind your name. But listen, there, th- th- this name, Jesus, wasn't necessarily such an uncommon name back in the day. But when you mention Jesus Christ, listen, that word Christ simply encompasses everything about the name. You see, there is no other Savior. There is no other person that could do exactly what Jesus Christ has come to do. You know, Mary and Joseph didn't just make the name up. I don't know what process you went through in naming your children or, or what process your parents went through in, in giving you your name. Some of you maybe carry on a family name. Anybody, you got a, a family member's name, right? right? Uh, I don't know if they looked at a book or Googled popular names or unpopular names or whatever, but there was a process. Some of you parents went to great lengths to name your kids, and you even went to great lengths to maybe spell them different ways that really make it hard for the rest of culture to pronunciate, right? You know who I'm talking to, right? You know, some of you are bringing back some of the old traditional names. Mary and Joseph didn't just pull these names out of the air. You see, this name Jesus, that means Savior, was of divine origin. It was directly given from heaven above. In Matthew chapter 1, the angel of the Lord said to Joshua, uh, to Joshua, to Joseph, you, she will have a son and you will give him that name Jesus. Why? There it is. For he will save the people from their sins. In Luke chapter 1, the angel appears to Mary and reaffirms this name that there would be unity there, that, that he didn't want to see this tug and pull. Hey, I think his name ought to be this and this. And no, no, no. The, the angel told, told Mary in, in Luke chapter 1, you will conceive and give birth to a son and you will name him Jesus. Can we roll those screens? You will name him Jesus and he will be very great and he will be called the son of the most high. He's the Lord God who will sit on the throne of your ancestor, David. He will reign. He's going to rule Israel. Listen, I don't know what significance is about your name, but this is a name that is unparalleled, is it not? It is a name like none other. His name speaks to his identity. He is the Savior. He is the Messiah. He is the anointed one. He is Jesus Christ. Scripture confirms it. And if that's not enough, Linus reminds us of it on a Charlie Brown Christmas. When he speaks Scripture in Luke chapter 2, verse 11, the Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in the city of David. Wow. Emmanuel, God with us. Jesus, the one who saves. The anointed one, Christ, the anointed one, the Messiah has come. You know, as you read through scripture, you find out a lot about Jesus's identity just from the way he lived his life here on earth. We know that Jesus, for the first 30 years of his life, grew up, he was a carpenter. That word carpenter simply means he was a builder. 
He probably worked a lot with wood, but it also, he, there were times in which he probably worked with stone. He was the stonemason probably from time to time, but, but we know that he learned the trade of his father, right? Gil, Gil's been, been, is a carpenter and does some incredible work and, and crafts some things, right? We, we know that Jesus was a teacher during his lifetime. We, we read throughout scripture that there were times in which he would teach individuals or, or maybe smaller groups. There were even times in which he spoke to thousands and multitudes of people, but he taught people truth. We know that Jesus carried the title of, of rabbi. A rabbi was someone who, who had that gift of, of, of interpreting and relating the law to people. But what set a rabbi apart from a teacher was that a rabbi had people that followed him. Jesus was that, was he not? He had followers, students, people that wanted to be just like him and hung on every word that he said. We know that Jesus was a healer, and we're going to talk more about that in a few weeks. In Mark chapter 2, we know that Jesus healed a paralyzed man. We know in, 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 in Matthew chapter 8, we find that Jesus heals a, a person eat up with leprosy. We know that Jesus, just by speaking a word, is able to heal the slave of, of, of a Roman officer. We know that Jesus goes to Capernaum in Matthew chapter 8, and he heals the mother-in-law of Peter. Hey, when's the last time you prayed for your mother-in-law that way? Come on, somebody. We're going to follow Jesus and Peter's example there. Amen? We know that after a long day of healing and ministry in Matthew chapter 8, we find something else that Jesus was known for. Jesus is a storm whisperer. He's able to speak to the storms and tell them to calm down and to chill out and to cease. You remember that story, Matthew chapter 8? After this day of ministry, Jesus is tired and he's weary. And he tells his disciples, hey, let's get in the boat and let's sail across to the other side of the sea or the lake, the Sea of Galilee. We know that in this journey from one side of the sea to the other, that a tremendous storm begins to brew and begins to toss that boat around. You think Jesus was surprised that a storm was coming? Come on, guys. He's Jesus. He knows some stuff. Come on, tweet that. Jesus knows some stuff. We know that in the midst of them making their way across this tumultuous sea of Galilee, that, that they begin to try to wake Jesus up because, listen, they knew that, listen, they'd seen him do some healing. They had heard some of his teaching. They thought, listen, come on, bro, seriously, how can you be asleep in the midst of this? And we know that in Matthew chapter 8, Jesus gets up, he speaks to the waves, and the waves calm down. They relax to the amazement of those disciples, Right? In Matthew chapter 8, verse 27 says, the disciples were amazed. Who is this man? They ask. That even the winds and the waves obey him. Hey, some of you right now may feel like you're going through a storm. Come on, anybody? Come on, is life just crazy and chaotic? It's okay. Just declare that. It's all right. It's crazy right now. Can I just tell you, I'm glad you're here today. I'm glad that you're hearing about this Savior named Jesus because this Savior that I'm talking about to you today is built for the storms that you will face in life. And he is more than able to speak peace into your situation. That might be a word for you listening today because you don't see any way out. And you wonder, like those disciples in Matthew 8, what is gonna happen? We are about to be overtaken and capsized. I'm just telling you, you hang on to Jesus he is a savior built for moments like this. Amen. 
We know that Jesus was called the word. In John chapter one, beginning in verse one, it says, in the beginning, the word already existed. The word was with God and the word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. We know that when you look at Jesus, you get a clearer picture as to who God is because scripture calls him in the book of Colossians chapter one, Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and he is supreme over all creation. Come on. Did you hear that? He is supreme over all creation. We used to sing a song when I grew up in church that said, kings and kingdoms shall all pass away. Right, that Pastor Gary, you know that one? He's supreme over it all. There's no other leader in history with the same dominion, authority, rule, and reign as this savior, this baby born in a manger. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms on earth. He made the things we can see and even those things that we can't see. Thrones and kingdoms and rulers and authorities in heaven. Everything created through him and for him. You see, he existed before anything else, scripture says. And he holds all creation together. Listen, I've tried to quickly, because our time is running out, I've tried quickly to give you some significance behind the name, the identity, what his name means. He is Savior. He is the anointed one. I've tried to quickly just share with you just a Cliff Notes version of some of the things that he's capable of and some of the things that he does. But the reality is, listen, it's not about reading about it and it's not about listening about it. There's a bigger question for all of us in this room today and watching online. The question is this, who do you say that Jesus is? Not, not accounts from, from people that, that prophesied and spoke about him. I, I'm not talking about what, what people who were firsthand observers as to who he is. No, the question that every one of us listening here today have to answer, you've got to answer it for yourself. Who is Jesus? Who is he to me? You know, Jesus asked his disciples that question one day in Luke chapter 9. Jesus wanted to know what the talk around town was. But hey, what's my reputation? Oof. Anybody ever talk about you? In Luke chapter 9, Jesus asked his disciples one day this, this, this question. He said, one day Jesus left the crowds to pray alone. And only his disciples were with him. And he asked them, who do people say I am? Well, they replied, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, and others say that, that you're one of the other ancient prophets that are risen from the dead. But then Jesus stops and he asks them this, but who do you say I am? Not who do they say, but who do you say I am? And Peter replied, you are the Messiah sent from God. I, I, I love this. And this is a big question that every one of us, it's not that who do other people say about it. And, and I'm glad that the disciples, when they answer that, they left off some of the negative things floating around about Jesus. They, they didn't share all the negative stuff with him. In, in, in Matthew chapter 11, he was known as a glutton and a wine bibber. I fit part of that. He, in John chapter seven, he was, he was demon possessed, being accused of demon possessed. They, they left those things out. They didn't, they didn't, might be a lesson for us to learn about speaking about the negative things about people. Just saying, 
But Jesus says, but what else? Some said that you are Elijah. Uh, because you, 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 you face the hypocrites, the religious leaders, and you look them in the face and you shoot them down. You perform miracles. Some say you're John the Baptist because you, you preach with such power and conviction about sin. Herod thought he was John the Baptist, maybe, because of the way he preached about sin. So some say you're Jeremiah because they see your compassion and they've seen you shed tears over the hurts that people carry. Aren't you glad that we have a savior that understands our hurts and our pains? Come on, somebody. You're not alone. Jesus gets it. He understands, right? Maybe you're some other prophet that's risen from the dead. Jesus wasn't much concerned about what popular opinion was. He wanted to ask those who really knew him. Jesus wanted to ask those disciples who were in the trenches with him. Listen, listen, I don't care necessarily what other people say. The bigger question is, hey, who do you say I am? You see, because you've seen my life. You've seen my miracles. You've seen me touch people. You've heard my words. You've seen my compassion. Guys, we have lived together. We've slept in the same areas. We've eaten meals times together. I want to know who do you say I am? You see, the disciples in, in Luke chapter 9 are forced to make a decision as to who Jesus is. And it's a decision that every one of us watching must make as well. It's not who your parents think he is. It's not what, what you remember from vacation Bible school one day. No, no, no. You've got to answer the question. And I love the courage of a man named Peter. Now, Peter oftentimes spoke before he thought, right, and got himself in trouble. He's going to lop an ear off. He's ready to go. But Peter got it right here in Luke chapter 9. Instead of waiting for other people to make a decision, instead of waiting for consensus, Peter says, I can tell you who you are. I've seen your life. You're the Messiah. You're the Son of God. Wow. Who do you say Jesus is? And listen, we're more privileged than Peter and the disciples were in Luke chapter 9. Because we know how the story goes. We know how Jesus' life ended. We know that he went to the cross and he died. They didn't know that in Luke 9. We know that he was buried and thought for dead, but he rose from the grave on the third day. We know that right now he's alive and he's acting and he's seated at the right hand of the throne of God. We have more privileged information than them, but we still must decide who is Jesus. You see what drove Peter to make that declaration that day was not the events and things that he had seen Jesus do. That was, that was good. But for Peter, it was the declaration of faith. I believe that you are who you say you are. I'm not going to listen to what other people say because I've seen your works, I've seen your heart, and I know who you are. And you are the Messiah. Who do you say Jesus is? You know, Jesus would go on to make several declarations about himself. Sometimes these declarations got him in trouble. 
right? But when you read about Jesus and some of the things he said, some of you need to hear what Jesus said about who he is and bearing witness as to who, what his identity really is. Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. And for someone walking around today or listening online, listen, you're in darkness and you're looking for an escape. You're looking for the way out. I want you to know this savior, this baby born in a manger, Jesus, he's the light of the world. He will light the path for you. Come on. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Jesus says that I'm the door or the gate. He says, listen, there is no man that can come to the Father except through me. I am the way to God. Listen, so many people in our culture today are trying to find God. I'm telling you, you can find him, and he's right here. He's right here. That's him. You want to find God? Right there! Jesus says that I am the resurrection and the life. The resurrection. Someone listen today. You need a resurrection. You need to be restored. You've been left for dead and you've thought yourself dead. I'm telling you, this guy right here, come on. He brings life. He's just a baby. I'm telling you, no. He's a savior. He's the king. Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Man, that got him in big time trouble. Whew. Who is Jesus to you? I'm telling you, for me, he's my savior. And at the age of nine years old, I realized that. That it wasn't just about reading about him. It wasn't about just singing some songs about him and painting cute little pictures about him. No, no. It was about me coming to a place in my life where I had to understand, Jesus, I'm a sinner. I can't save myself. I can't change me. I need a miracle-working, wonder-working, incredible God to do that. And Jesus, you are that answer for me. Have you made that decision in your life? Quit trying to save yourself and let the only one who bears the name Savior do it for you. His name is Jesus Christ. He's the King of Kings. He's the Lord of Lords. He's the Savior of the world. He is the Messiah. He is the Anointed One. And He is exactly what you need this Christmas. Would you stand with me today? You see, I don't know what you're banking on this Christmas. Some of you are, are constantly watching your phone and you're waiting for the doorbell to ring for Amazon Prime to bring you exactly what you think you need. I'm telling you right now, folks, what I just gave you is the best gift this Christmas. And here's the deal. It's free. It doesn't cost me anything. It doesn't cost you anything. Now, it costs this baby everything. It cost him everything. Because we know that at around the age of 33, that that baby would go to a cross and willingly give his life up for you. Because he was tired just as he was, God was tired of seeing Israel walk around in darkness 700 years, now 733 years prior to. Jesus came to deliver you 
from walking around clueless and in the dark. Hey, come on, somebody. Today, you need to say yes to a Savior. His name is Jesus. Ministry team, this is a great time for you to come stand down front today because there's somebody in this room today that needs to give their life to Jesus Christ. There's somebody in this room today that is in a stormy season. And come on, you need to just, you need to hang on to the life raft. You need to give Jesus control. You need to let him see you through that. So here's what I'm doing. I'm going to pray and I'm going to say you're dismissed. But right now, if the Holy Spirit of God is stirring your hearts because Christians right now are praying in this room for someone who doesn't know Jesus. I'm going to dismiss everybody as people are leaving. We don't want to embarrass anybody, but we want to give you the opportunity to respond to the Spirit of God. There's a Savior that's waiting to save you today. Jesus, thank you for the reminder today of who you are and what you're capable of. Lord, I thank you for your identity. You are a Savior. You're the King. You're the Messiah. You are the Word. You're the visible image of God. Lord, you, you're the ruler of it all. Yes, a carpenter. Yes, a teacher. Yes, a rabbi. But God, you are a Savior. Thank you, Jesus. And I pray for the person listening in this house or in their house right now online. I pray that they would say yes to a Savior that came because we needed a Savior. And Jesus, I want to thank you for willingly going to the cross. Thank you for willingly giving up your life so that we could have life. And Father, I pray for the person here today that's trying to figure it out. They're trying to save themselves. It is futile. They never will be able to. But today, they can humble themselves and say, Jesus, take over. I give you my life. If that's you right now, I want you to begin to move to the front as the Holy Spirit of God is prompting you. Maybe you're here today and you need prayer. Holy Spirit of God saying, hey, listen, give up, surrender. Let me in your situation. I want to speak peace to the storm. Jesus, may we keep it all about you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You're dismissed.